your ancillary products, these add-ons are only as good as your imagination, right? Like at the end of the day, you could theoretically come up with any of them. So as long as it complements in some way, something we learned from just listening to our customers and seeing them, their Facebook comments. I wear like these wigs, like this crazy ridiculous wig. And like everyone started asking about, oh, like how do I like get hair like that? And so we're like doing these like steal as looks type, type ad on products just to see. It's like, hell, like if they order it, great. We'll figure out a way to nail it. All right, folks, welcome back to another banger of You're Not Your Roaz. I have the pool king, the float flaneur, Patrick Frank, all the way coast to coast. We're going Austin to San Diego. Here we are. And for people that aren't watching, go over to the YouTube.com slash shipwell so you can see Patrick's magnificent hat. This is the best piece of swag. And I am, I'd like to consider myself a somewhat of a scientist, somewhat of a connoisseur in the merch game. I mean, look at the background, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm blown away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, we, we got a little flex here. Go go check it out on the YouTubes. Um, but Patrick and I actually met. You are actually a little bit of a company legend. So I, I got to tell this story because it's one of the most fun stories. So we launched a product called FinHub. That's uh, a little bit on the back burner right now. We're doing some upgrades to make it amazing for everybody. So we, we took it off. But Patrick was one of our uh, first beta users. And not only did he have incredible feedback, he had this call, which was not only incredible feedback but he was eating in the background just just straight g moves total power play um but because the feedback was so great it just circulated throughout the company and uh you became as the guy eating on the phone uh guy in our company it's so good remember what i was eating i like still i'm like i don't even know what it was but it was something loud like it definitely was not quiet it was so it was so good but the product feedback was even better so we were just like you just get through it um but Patrick, first off, thank you for uh, taking the time. We met, when did we meet for the first time? It was at a, a geek out, I think, right? We, we met officially, no, we met officially at uh, DTCX. Ah, that's right, in LA. Yeah, 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 you're right. And then, uh, oh, that's right, because we went to a fancy dinner and stuff. That's right, yeah, we yeah. went everything. Yeah, oh, amazing, amazing. You've been doing some really cool stuff. But before we get into uh, RIP, Pool Punisher, artist formerly known as into the float factory, which is one of my favorite rebrands. Um, so we'll get into that in the tactical section, but you have a really cool story in terms of your career arc. When did you get involved in entrepreneurship? Like what was your first foray? Cause you have a bunch of stuff and just kind of take us to the beginning, I guess. And then we'll walk our way up to the float factory. Yeah, man. I'm so prior to being an entrepreneur, I, I had a very much of like a, a corporate life, like about as corporate as you can get. Like I had the whole dream of, oh, I'm going to be an investment banker. I'm going to go into finance. I want to be law. Exactly. Right. Like yeah. that's New York, Dallas, like all the the main places. And then I like very uh, over a you know a couple of year period of time, I found out I got fired from every single uh, corporate <laughs> job I ever had. Like that's like my like stamp on my forehead, like unemployable, <laughs> like 10 for 10. Um, and I think it was like after you know, a stint in the corporate world, I actually got started with, I would say like the startup ecosystem with Compass, which is actually like a big prop tech company. Yep. I was an employee there and had the freedom to like be part of like a hyper growth company and in charge of growth all across the West Coast and got to see like the speed and that addictive feel of like the, the startup ecosystem. And yeah, you know, I'd say like during that time with everything we learned, um, I actually branched out completely different than, you know, e-com and direct-to-consumer pool floats. I did, we actually started a health tech company uh, with my co-founder 
um, called Patient Partner, where we actually help patients go through their surgical journeys, their healthcare journeys by pairing them up with another patient who is very similar to them. So like- Oh, that's cool. I never yeah. knew about the genesis behind the other companies. This is cool. Yep. Yeah. So, so George has been in the healthcare industry. I was in more or less this like prop tech hyper growth, you know, startup ecosystem. And we kind of came together and realized that like, you know, what we were doing in real estate as impactful as it was, it's impactful in healthcare. We can do the exact same thing. Right. And so I'm, you know, candidly that that company is, is still very much alive. It is growing. Um, and we manage between both at the same time, but it's been a, it's been a wild journey, man. I'd say like between patient partner as to like now with Float Factory, the amount of companies that I've ended up having my hands in is is probably more than I need, but it's addicting. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree with you. I, I love that. What are kind of some of the bigger takeaways that you had in, in just the making of the sausage? Was there any kind of like, because there's that joke of when you're a startup founder, usually once you can make it like cross the chasm, you've had like three to four like near 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 death experiences of like, Dude, the company could go under tomorrow. Um, I feel like I live in near-death experience. <laughs> every single day, you know, like every single week, I at least have one. If I don't, then I'm like, then there's something really bad coming my way. I get kind of nervous. Um, but no, man, I mean, it's it's been a very unique journey. And this is something that, that my co-founder, George, and I talk about a lot, which is like, it's something I've been starting to write down a lot of notes on, is like this comparative lens that I really have been blessed to see between you know, creating a, a hyper growth SaaS company in the tech world, and then now creating, you know, this, this direct to consumer e-com brand uh, that has been growing. I don't want to say hyper growth, but we've been growing, you know, pretty quickly. Yeah. And I think that like seeing both of those industries, there's so much that each of them have to learn from each other. Like yes. that is something that I've been really trying to like pay attention to. And fortunately we've been able to make a lot of mistakes. And so it's yes. like create this log of like, what are all the mistakes we've made? What can we learn? And then like, how do we not do those again? Right? Yes. Trip 100%. is possible twice. A hundred percent. And I think the mistakes are inevitable, but what is manageable is to your point of like, hey, we know if we go that way, grab that pan, it's going to be hot and it's going to burn my hand. You, you take the burn, but don't grab the pan again. Right. Right. Just learn. Right. Like always make, I, I, like there's nothing bad with making mistakes. You just don't make them twice. Don't make them twice and they can't be existential. Well, my dad, my dad gave me uh, great advice when I was a kid and this might come across crass to some people. So I apologize, but it's basically don't get somebody pregnant. Don't get an STD. Don't get arrested. Like those things will, <laughs> will, will have no free of charge of all of those things yes, so exactly. <laughs> anywhere near <laughs> as, as am I, as am I, but it, it, the, I guess the parallel there is like, Yes, make mistakes, but make sure that these aren't existential because you you, hey, you you can't grow unless you survive. And sometimes survival is growth where it's just like the sh right. ship is not going down. And so um, do you have any like business muses or any people you look up to or modeled your businesses after? Yeah, I I am a massive Ray Dalio fan. Yeah, uh, yeah. When I just like put on such a pedestal can. Yeah. Principles, right? Principles, or, yeah, yeah, it's his big one. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And, and like all of his writings, like he's able to convey books like principles into like chi like children's books. Um, yeah. And like basically, you know, the, the sign of a genius is someone who can take complex you know, problems, and explain them in a very simple way. And I Fine think, that, technique. you know, a lot of what he did over his course of his, you know, 50 years running Bridgewater was write down all the things he learned. And that's yes. something we've modeled as well between our companies. It's like, 
every time we make a mistake, we write it down. And then we look back when we're into the exact same scenario. We look at what we did. And then we look at what we're supposed to do. So we try to guide ourselves to make the right decisions. Yeah, I um, love that. I'd say Ray Dalio, but and of course, I hate to kind of sound like a like a, a a bandwagoner or just like in general, like everybody else. But like Elon is just such a, I love that man. Like I, I just, I all of his talks he gives where he's just like, you have to literally just put in the hours. I'm like, that's what I think about every single day. Like yeah. Back There's that old adage that, um, as you get older, you'll realize uh, they're just showing up so much, whether it's health, whether it's a relationship, whether like just putting in a good old college try will get you so far where uh, I had a great coach where if you'd have a bad workout, you're like, hey, don't worry. You got to have the bad workouts to have the good ones. And uh, and it just gets stuff out of your system. I really like that. Ray Dalio and Elon Musk, good picks, good picks. Um, what did you think about like going from health tech and if i'm understanding the company correctly you're almost building a two-sided market as well yeah, we correct? build a full-sided marketplace so that's very hard that's as hard as SaaS as gets because we yeah. involve positions as well so it's a, a oh, lot wow of yeah yeah so that's 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 like really really SaaS. first of all SaaS is d2c on hard mode in my opinion but this is like super super hard mode when it's two-sided and then to your point even a, a tertiary player in the game how did you go from there and then like what made you want to do really cool like i mean it's almost antithetical or orthogonal because i like you have health stuff you have G or not gdpr hipaa stuff you have all this like the most i mean insurance health and banking are probably the three most buttoned up industries and now you're over here with a, a tank float that you can shoot with the water gun like like <laughs> we going from wearing suits every day to like ridiculous puffer jackets <laughs> hats wigs pit vipers like the most ridiculous stuff and it's it, it, candidly like and that comes back to its origin story of like my co-founder george and i like at the end of the day like we've set off to do some pretty ambitious stuff right and in the process i mean it is it is a it is not i'm not gonna say it's not easy right like healthcare right. is Extremely difficult industry and we found ourselves just one night it's like 1 a.m and we're looking at each other and we're like drinking a great bottle of wine we're like god we need to do something really fun and of course we're like oh let's just start like a let's start a company let's start a brand let's make a product we've always wanted to just like make something out of thin air and i um, you know we we tossed around ideas and whatnot but we actually came up with the idea at a bachelor party of all places i mean it seems kind of fitting mm -hmm. right like it's, yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. A cool tank that fires and we came up with the idea at a bachelor party and, you know, like we're out at Lake Havasu floating around on swans and pizza slices. And we're just like, this is not the coolest thing in the world. And I'm, he was actually with his child at bath time. Like his kid was obsessed with tanks and planes. Like, dad, why can't the tank float? He literally just calls me right there. He's like, I have it. That's and we just so like, from there, we set off trying to build it. We, we had, we built it out of gym mats, like those rubber gym mats. Originally, we had no clue what we were doing. Like no experience in this industry at all. How interesting. Wow. That is so fascinating. Are there any brands that you look up to or you're trying to emulate? I think if I like look at like, I love Pit Viper. I brought them up just yeah. a bit ago. Like yeah. I look at them and like what they do online makes no sense. Right. Yes. Like it, they have, they go against every single fundamental law of conversion, like everything. Right. And I look at it and I say, they are sticking so true to their brand and they're so wild and crazy. They know exactly who they are. I think bird dogs has done a good job of that. Pit Viper yeah. has done a good job. And and I've actually really looked up to the guys over at Sunday swagger as well. Uh, we all started right around the same time. And, and 
those two guys like they kind of they they are exactly like george and i but just like i think like 45 50 years old now yeah uh, and just seeing what they've done and like staying true to the brand i think those are things that we emulate in a huge way and is going to show like how powerful it is and that's something that like we utilize every single day and so I'm trying to model myself after those kinds of brands yeah no those are great now pip viper is a in my opinion a great example i think brand matters the most in a commoditized market where you, how do you differentiate yourself if the product can't be like quote unquote incredibly differential you know what i mean like it, it's one thing if you have Apple computer and you can say, Hey, it goes faster. Or I have a Sony camera that takes sharper pictures. Like there's product differentiation that brand doesn't matter as much as, um, but in these commoditized markets and what Pip Fiber has been able to do. And this, it's almost a bit of the liquid death playbook, which is one of my brand muses where the, I was going to use that, but I know, I know other people. <laughs> Homer pick. Yeah. Yeah. Homer pick. Absolutely. But for me, it's so interesting where there's that line that if you're a friend to everyone, you're a friend to no one. And they right. have, they're unabashedly them. Right. And, and the people that f*** with that, they f*** with it so hard. And it, it builds emotional connection almost versus this transactional, you're buying a thing. You're actually like joining a group. You're you're becoming, and it, it enhances your identity, I think. And I think that's when it gets into some really interesting places not only from the brand aspect, but from the business point, you can get people to make emotional decisions. Like, again, I'm not saying manipulate people, but if you can get people to make a decision based off of emotion versus utility, man, you'll get, get them to pay way more money and they'll probably be way happier. I will, I think one of the biggest things that I could say like that has differentiated us like going into this is like, I don't want to say this is like our revenge tour in a way, but like, if you think about it, like we were buttoned up as hell and we still are like, we have to be in the healthcare world, right? Like George and I, like we are kids at the end of the day, like, we are man chops. Like, and this company has like allowed us to like literally express that and embody that in every single way. So far as to the point where if you look at our brand, it's him and I as brothers and like our mom who's responding to people on CS. And like when we're talking to customers, like we, we literally spew nonsense. Like you're talking to this like stepbrothers. Like that's literally so what good. So good. And I appreciate that vacation Inc is another one that I, I really like they do in their every single touch point is impeccable. Even the receipts that you get, the kids won't know what I'm talking about. But back in the day when you had printers, there was basically these little holes that the printer would use to move the paper and you would have to tear them off perforated little holes. The receipts come on those. Like, like Vacation Inc. doesn't miss, dude. They, they, their brand is so impeccable and it is one of my favorites. And I, I really think that you guys are starting to trot down that path, which makes me really happy. I like brands that are true to themselves, man. I think it becomes, um, again, like if you think of a brand as a person, like, you either want to hang out with this person and have a beer and the flight got canceled. Okay. I'll hang with them or, or you don't. And right. I, I think that the ones that you do want to hang out with be become some of the bigger brands in the world where, um, you know, maybe not necessarily like the quote unquote biggest, but right. man, if you can, if you can really nestle in, I mean, liquid death, $700 million company at their last raise and it's water, you know, merch and water. It's, that's incredible to me love it and it's like i, I really equate it to like there are brands that are acquaintances there are brands that are friends and there are brands that are family right Ooh, like that's a bar wait, you meet at a bar i mean like between so i was like oh yeah someone maybe recommended it to you maybe you saw them in passing like oh hey hi hello i'll visit you once you buy something it's cool great 
Then there's your friends, right? Then there's your inner circle. It's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna keep buying, right? Like, I love this. This is fun. I want to hang out a little bit. This is great. And then there's family where it's like, oh no, I can't live life without you. Dude, right? that it, is such a bar. How well you collect, you know, connect with who your core customer base is is like how you fall into that scale. That's such a bar. And I also think not only is it how do you fall in that scale, but there's so many things done at the family level that don't expect reciprocity where you're just there for them. Like you're not, you're not, Hey, I, you should buy a pool float. Hey, you should do this. Hey, give me money. Hey, give me money. Like there's value generative touch points that have zero ask other than I hope you had a good day and I want to create value in your life. I, I, I man, I, I'm going to steal that. That's, that's strong. That's really strong. I literally drove up the street from our office. I saw an order and she was like, Oh, where is it? It was our last one of our cars that were in stock inside the office. I like found it in the closet. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to drive up, dropped it off at her house last night. Like that's like, like found it this morning. You know, it's like, look at it, it's like, just do the things that you would want a company to do for you. And like, you're going to be a forever customer. Like, yeah. hundred percent, man. hundred percent. And I think when you start from always creating value for the consumer, um, the business stuff handles itself. Not to say that you shouldn't be cognizant of unit economics, et cetera, right. et cetera. But like, if you can build that emotional connection, you can make them feel successful very early on. Like you said, you you have a customer for life. Nah, I, man, very, very eloquent. Um, okay, one last question, and then we'll get into the deets of the float factory. What's the nicest thing someone has done for you? The nicest thing someone has done for me? Yeah. Wow. It's a heater. That a is- big one. That's like a massive one. <laughs> like I'm, I don't think I've ever been asked that question. Um, I think, I you know what I'd want to say. Um, there's someone who's worked it with me, you know, across multiple companies. Um, and she's an incredibly talented human, very gifted in like the development world, design, like Figma champion of the world. I swear. And you know, she knows I've been struggling with like the website when we were initially building it. Came in, basically scoped the entire thing, did it, and like delivered it to me. And I was like, hey, happy birthday. <laughs> and I was like, uh, completely unexpected, delivered it to me. And, and, you know, we ended up, you know, crushing our site and releasing it way in advance, which I hoped to, which was great. So I think that was probably like top tier. And she doesn't even work for us anymore. Did it completely for free. And I think that wow. that's, something. yeah, she's, she's all star, but not even her world either. She still runs her own startup. That's incredible. Paying it forward. The karmic balance is aligned. I love that. Um, all right, let's get a little, let's get a little nerdy. Let's do so it. Float, float factory, you decide to make pool floats, inner kid. One of the biggest things that worries me or the headwinds that I see for this company is seasonality. How are you, are you going to go into Australia? Like, how do you plan to deal with when the weather gets cold and people aren't on the water or in a pool anymore? Yeah. So, you know, we actually launched in Australia last year and I think we oh. did a little too late. Um, cause we didn't understand the seasonality of Australia as well. Yeah. Um, yep. Now that I understand that, I think we're, we're well equipped. We have them um, already ready. We have influencers ready to start posting for us. So that's like, that's one way geographically, but at the end of the day, you look at Australia, the amount of people that live in Australia is the amount of people, less than the amount of people that live in California. So your market size is, is very capped. I, though it is our, like our, our direct market, it is a hundred percent is affluent, you know, country, all of the above. Right. But. What we've done, and actually very timely to this jacket, is we just submitted our proposal for our winter product, which... Oh, wow. This is where like, we, we had to learn all of this the very hard way, uh, this yeah. seasonality thing, um, and the planning around it launched in the middle of the supply chain crisis, whatever we want to call it. But going into winter, we are coming out with a winter product that we actually took a step back and said, hold on, 
can we make this dual purpose so that we're not necessarily just creating a winter product, but we're creating yeah. a product that can exist both in winter and in summer. Um, and so a massive, a massive market that's opened up for us and we've seen emerging is like inflatable snow sleds. Yeah. So we're coming out with one of those, but that will be dual purpose to be something that you can use in a pool and something that we're the most excited about. Uh, because as you can imagine, a snow sled needs to be much more durable than just an old yes. pool float. Yes. This is going to be something that you can tow behind a boat. And it is, I, I, I love all of our products, but like, I literally just look at this thing and I go, oh my God, like it, it's, it's coated the behemoth. It's huge, but it's, it's awesome. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is brilliant. How do you guys, in terms of acquisition, in terms of social, because your socials are so fun. I love your socials. I love your ads. How do you guys think of that and then translate it to, well, I guess I'm getting the the cart before the horse. Kind of give us the rundown right now of the product lines. Yep. In so, the elevator pitch form. Yeah, no, absolutely. So as of right now, we have two core product lines, right? We have um, our pool punishers, our, our punisher line, which is the core product that we started out with, which are these like military style tank pool They're flows so that cool. have these water cannons that you can blast each other with. That's product line A. The new so cool. huge push that we've had this year has actually been really capitalizing on this like huge trend of F1. And so we we came out with what we're calling formula floats um, underneath our like fast collection, if you will. And these are in the shape of a Formula One car and inspired by the major teams in Formula One. Um, and the lawyer is going to be so happy with that line. You nailed it. You nailed it. <laughs> inspired. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, but a huge thing for us is like at the core of our business, every single one of our floats has to be more than just a float, right? Love it that. has to be dynamic. The tanks, they blast water, the cars, even though it is delayed in production, they have a remote control, rechargeable waterproof motor. So you can no literally, you can literally drive these things even when you're sitting in them. Or if you're a dad and you're like kids in it, you could literally play like Mario Kart with no your child way. around remote control. Oh my and this God. thing's like powerful, man. Like it, 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 like it can move like a two, someone who's like 250, like decently through the water. Like we haven't tested in like rivers and current, like heavy currents, but like in a pool or anything like that. Yeah. You're, you're good to go. Oh my gosh. I can't, even on the lake, can you imagine doing oh, yeah. like, like laps around the main boat or something like that? Like that's the course. That is incredible. We, so we, we produce these things in China and some of the video calls we've had at like two in the morning of our manufacturers in like, they're literally driving each other in a random like lake in China, like with videos and they're all just like, cracking up. It's been like some of the best moments of creating this company. Like we just sit back, we're just having a ball. Like it's hilarious. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so how do you think of it in terms of business economics? Like, because from when I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay, cool. I buy maybe one, three floats or whatever. How do you get people that either don't have access to water or um, don't have a pool? Because I, I really can't consume then, right? Right. So there's a couple of couple roads you can go down here, right? So like one fun fact that not a lot of people know is the average pool owner spends over $500 on pool accessories or toys a year. Like that, that statement makes sense. is massive. Um, yeah, yeah, us. yeah. Um, pool owners are typically affluent. Um, yep. But another thing is like 88% of the U.S. population, it's like 88, 85% of the U.S. population lives next to a recreational body of water. So it's like, 
I've used these things in the surf. Can't say I recommend it highly. It's, it was it was a wild experience, but like I've used it in the ocean, used it in lakes, rivers, pools. I mean, you kind of name it. Um, and so like, that's the way where we look at it and say like the market's actually a lot bigger than just pools, um, which is why we how we try to market love that. different environments. Um, but gifting is a massive aspect as well. Which oh, we I didn't think about gifting. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's really smart. It's but. Especially because, like the the patriotic tank, everybody has that friend that is just to the gills. The USA in his handle, like and turn it to eleven Memorial Day. You know, like the whole gold line. People buy these things not even if they don't even go in a pool. People are like, oh, I just wanted this in my house, in my backyard. <laughs> like, it's going a, an army man party. I wanted this, or like an F one party. I wanted this. So the gifting aspect is is massive. Um, it's it. It's a big moment. It's like a big thing for us. We found out for our first holiday season last year, like literally going to Black Friday. We're like, well, we're not going to do anything in Q4. And we're like, whoa, like where did that come from? We had no clue. <laughs> it's a great gift. Like that, what it's because it, it's like a mix of like actually a useful gift, but almost white elephant style. Like it's just this perfect nexus of fun. Um, I mean, speaking of, you guys should do a little riff. I, I uh, so I have a little running. Uh, joke with uh lex and shack on twitter and i'll just post absurd things that i want to buy that are super expensive and one of the things was uh this this jeffrey coons uh collab with muhammad ali and it's basically this stool with this like basically inflatable and a big inflatable dolphin so uh you guys uh if you want to break into the art market it sounds like people are uh putting their their float factories in the living room you might uh there we go do a little limited edition you know good margins they were charging 15k for it so it wasn't nothing (laughs) i need to do i didn't think about the uh because i live two feet from uh town lake when the motor when the motors come in i'll do that that's actually is like a paddleboard or anything on the on the horizon imagine a paddleboard i see you're saying i'm we don't have any powers. We're going to be really doubling down in this like remote control motorized pool flow. I market. love that. Growing, I, I, it's growing. Uh, yeah. This this new product we have coming out though is like I think it's the perfect blend of both. Where we want to make our products diverse in the next go around. Where it's like, oh, you want to add a motor to a tank? Great. Like yes. here's the attachment, right? So it's like as we think about the economics of this. As going back to your question, it's like we have a high AOV product. Right, our margins are pretty darn good, but it's like, hey, what type of ancillary add-ons can we explore? And that's been the biggest area that we've been diving into this year on top of conquering seasonality. So like we as we think about it, towels. As we think about the, the it towel is awesome and going to your uniqueness. Such yeah. a cool towel. It's a or yeah, explain it. It's our logo. Yeah. So like we have this beach ball, like as you can see on the big hat, but if you're if you're listening, it's it's in the shape of a beach ball that's like this so like, cool color it's in a circle it's a very original towel like it's not normal (laughs) yes and i think you're going to get to a place of like if you know you know kind of thing which is awesome because then that brings the tribe together even tighter where it's like oh my gosh i was on the beach and then are you guys fuck with float factory oh let's have a beer together like oh my gosh like there's just that 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 implicit camaraderie when you have a brand that touches and pulls on the emotional strings yeah i really love that i like how you think it so Sean Frank over at Ridge has a great way of talking about products where he sees them through the lens of either CAC products or LTV products. And the CAC products would be kind of what you're talking about, the tanks, the um, formula floats, those things. And then 
these LTV products are, you know, maybe the pump to put, put the float together, the cannon that goes with the tank, um, these things. So I love how you're thinking about that, the remote control and the motor, et cetera. Like that's a really clever way where you can consume at different levels, but you're still getting a great experience, but then you can enhance your experience if you do buy the float. And then you're like, dude, I got, I, I saw Patrick racing Robert in the pool. There's no way Billy's going to beat me. We're getting these motors and we're going to configure this out Friday. I think we chat about this, like, you know, where it's like, how do you make a game out of everything that we have? Yeah. Right? How, how do you gamify yes. it? You create it so it's like, oh, let's all come together and do this thing around the, these these products, this company. And that's this like, are we there right now? No. Are we heading in that direction? It's like, hey, we're nailing the the core fundamentals because at the end of the day, it's it's me, half a George, maybe a quarter of George. And, you know, I work with a couple of VAs and a quarter of my marketing head of the other company. And so I look at it, it's like, team small we're nailing out the foundation but as i see this next iteration it's like what are all the ancillary products these these ltv products what how do we gamify this like ecosystem we're creating um but i do have to say one of my all-time favorite things we're going to start to do and i i really i've been talking to a lot of folks about this where it's like your ancillary products these add-ons are only as good as your imagination right like at the end of the day you could theoretically come up with any of them so as long as it complements some way Something we learned from just listening to our customers and seeing them, their Facebook comments, or we actually use like videos in our email flow. I wear like these wigs, like this crazy ridiculous wig and like with pit vipers and everyone started asking about the, like the look. They're like, oh, like how do I like get hair like that? And so we're like doing these like steal as looks type, type ad on products just to see. It's like, hell, like if they order it, great, we'll figure out a way to nail it. But it's only as good as your imagination, right? Like if you see something, try it out. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think too, it doesn't violate your core thesis of being right. fun and unique. Cause like, that's another thing like, like pit vipers are awesome, but geez, I'd kill for those margins. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so like, if you get the float factory shades or something like that, or like you get like, the, there's just all these things where you can just really start to own, um, you know, be the, the designer on the water, if you will. And you, you just start to really expand into every, you can start doing trunks, swimsuits, uh, sunscreen, like all these things that's, that's all really ridiculous stuff, right? Like a signed family photo, like yes, no cost us. Like we give put out a photo of our, of like George, my mom, like we, we sign it, and it's like here's a signed family photo, five dollars, right? Uh, <laughs> Add it on, like oh, I love it. It's all kinds of things that you can just create out of kind of thin air and just figure out a way to fulfill it, and it's like it's fun to see people buy that. Like that's also how you can segment customers who are like family category right like quite literally <laughs> family category for us yeah i totally love that man that's so interesting in terms of so you have the behemoth coming out or codename behemoth what else are you really excited about so i'd say like tackling the snow market is something i'm i'm ecstatic about i would interesting. say this next iteration of brand partnerships like we lend ourselves like we we, we lend ourselves to a lot of awesome partners i'm in like you know, I think about some of the names I've already spoken to, like putting together some form of a collab with them, I think is just quite literally our core market. And I have to connect you with the guys at vacation. You and vacation have to do something there. There's sunscreen and brand and like the, the float factory. It just, it, it just makes sense. It's peanut butter and jelly. Exactly. And so like looking at, at opportunities like that, because like at the end of the day, we've been a very small company. Like we emerged as this new brand in February or March. And it's just been like, it's been a radically different experience because, I mean, quite candidly, over the past year and a half, 
from when we first got started, we ordered, we were just on Amazon. We didn't have a website. We had one product. We didn't know what we were doing. And then it was this point where we're like, oh, let's actually do this the right way. And now it's like, now it's time to stack all these different learnings, you know, that we've had into today. I want to get to Amazon because you have some pretty interesting experience there, but, um, retail on the roadmap, is that something that you want to explore or, or you want to keep it all kind of Amazon DTC? I am trying to avoid big box retailers at all costs. I, I think there are people who I've followed, you know, in what they have to say and they've done very well in the retail markets, but like what they talk about along the way, like all these, those near death experiences and like the hell they have to go through, like, sure, maybe one day we can do retail. Right. But we sure as heck ain't going to do it today. And yep. we want to partner with that family bucket of like small mom and pop shops all across the US. And we're seeing traction there. Orders we can fulfill on, customers we can create awesome relationships with. We had our you know first huge one happen in the Hamptons, and we're going to literally fly out there and hand deliver everything. Like, that's gangster. You got to film that. Or if they're allowed, or if they're, if it, yeah, that's cool. That is such a brand story. She's she's like Linda. She's like seventy years old or something like that. And she's like, I've been in the pool industry longer than you've been alive. And I'm like, great. I'm gonna come meet you. And I'm gonna learn all about it. <laughs> oh, I love powerful Linda. Let's go, Linda. Um, no, I think that's right, man. And I think the challenge with retail is it distorts economics, where a lot of times you're gonna have net sixty, net ninety. So even though you have the money, it's gonna be ninety days till you can actually collect the money. There is these weird. Sometimes it'll be in like for lack of a better term, consignment, where you basically front them the inventory. If they sell it, they sell it. If they don't, they ship it back. Um, and I think at your stage, like you said, like there's other ways that you can make just as much without the vulnerabilities that wholesale opens you up to. Because not only that, too, you're giving up a little bit of a nut because you're gonna, they're not going to take it at D to C price. or like So it starts to get into some places where, the, again, the economics get distorted. And then you also have these candidly existential vulnerabilities right like if somebody makes a 100k po and then walmart's like you know what we don't like your actually your float factory hat we canceled the po and you're like well what do i do with all this inventory that i just bought we that almost happened to us walmart was about to we were about to literally the no fourth, way. fourth month, get this crazy i'm telling you that the stories we have we've been writing down this like book it's like you can't believe how this stuff like cool punisher right like this is when we first started walmart wanted to like have this massive po Russia, Ukraine, the war starts. They go, you know what? We can't do it. It's not PC. Oh, the tanks. No way. Literally, probably like two weeks before we we're supposed to sign. And we we're like, oh my okay. God. But that taught us that exact lesson. And we said, okay, what we've kind of seen happen is build an extremely strong brand, build an extremely strong audience and a base in the product suite where people want to have these in your store. Because if you do, if you sell out to, to retail too early, they're going to take advantage of you in every single way, right? They are your daddy from day one, right? Like we're not trying to have that. We've been through that with venture capital and all other kind of ways. And other businesses. It's like, let's create an awesome brand, awesome products, a core audience, and then we can explore that when we feel like it. But if we have to depend on it, that tells me we have an issue in our core fundamentals as a business. Ooh. Dropping bars, heat today. Now I, I couldn't agree with you more, man. It's just perfectly put, in my opinion. And that's the it, it becomes a siren song. And and candidly, you know, it takes a while to become a gorilla in the room to become a price setter versus price taker. And and 
even then you're still a blip on the balance sheet for a Walmart or a Target or like it's not it you, you very rarely are going to be maybe the mom and pops you can get into a price setting kind of scenario but very rarely are you going to be a price setter with the Walmart, Target, yeah, Home Depots of the world? They, they're 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 operating at scales that are just orders of magnitude away from where you're at, and so I think that's a really good tack. You just got to have the infrastructure to go. Yeah, yeah, and, and again, I think one of the I got to go to a really cool uh, conference and actually speak at it at uh, summer or commerce commerce summit, excuse me, in New York, and uh, there was a guy there, uh, David Gingham of uh, Mary Roos. They're doing numbers mm-hmm. Mary organics they're doing really numbers and it was so fascinating to hear his perspective because obviously he wants growth 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 but he has like a growth team so he doesn't fixate on growth he fixates on vulnerabilities like what what are my existential threats what are the things keeping me up at night and i think that's one of the things that opportunity cost of you having to deal with a walmart deal they're stringing you out stringing you out everything's good and then things outside of your control, whether it be COVID or a war or stuff like that, where it's just like, sorry, dude, can't, can't do it. Uh, we, we had a friend where they were working six months with their Walmart buyer and then their Walmart buyer got got. So they had are to they, start they, the they whole like change jobs or they get moved to a different division. It's like, Oh, sorry, we're restarting press reset. Reset. And you're like, dude, I just put six months of resources into this and I get nothing. Like, right. I, I think I, I don't want to like beat up on anything, but it's like, you think about, over the, and this is what I learned from being at Compass and all these other places. Name a hyper growth company that has existed over the past five years, even in D2C, like that was growth at all costs. One of the classic like Masa SoftBank stories, right? Growth at yep. all costs, growth at all costs. And then look where they are today, right? Like, you unless, don't want to own any of that stock, put it that way. <laughs> unless they sold the bag to somebody else, which is like great for those people. It's where are you, right? Because it's like, Allbirds, Warby, all these people are just absolute massive haircuts. And then you look into the business and there's candidly not a business. Like it, it was, you were buying revenue at such a buying rate. Like it, 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 that's the lens we have coming from that world into this world. It's like we've seen that. And like quite candidly, being a part of this world back into the tech world, it's allowed us to focus significantly more on our bottom lines. Because in econ, if you don't, if you don't have your bottom line, you have nothing. Right. Because that's the core blood of your business. And it's that's one of the. No, I, I think you're spot on. I, I, I want to get to Amazon after this, but uh, I think the the dirty secret in D2C is how cash intensive a business is. Even, even million to $5 million a year businesses, which aren't like these massive behemoths, dude, they're so cash intensive. And now, especially with rates up, money's expensive, et cetera, et cetera. You can get into some really weird cash flow quagmires of like, Hey dude, how do I pay staff? How do I put my next PO and what's going on here? And then you get kind of down the road of like, wow, like how, you know, it, love that you're focusing on taking home some because- that's an area where if we didn't have, if we had more time, like, I think that I have a, a benefit from my background. Let's like, I think the vast majority of econ founders are not financially literate to the place that they need to be. And it's because their background is like, you just, it's not in their, their blood. And it's a very tough exercise to make your brain do. And I mean, you've kind of seen this huge wave of all these fintech companies taking care, like taking out these you know small e-com emerging DSC brands because people didn't know any better, and and that's been a racket for me. Like that's been insane to see, but that's a whole different. We can go on for hours around that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're right, and uh, uh, I, dude, I know people doing decent numbers that barely have a grasp on contribution margin. Right. And my whole thing there is like it's not a judgment on them, but it's like 
either get a service or a person in place to then take that. Like you don't need, if you're a great product person and great marketer, go do that. I'm a big fan of horses for courses. Like if you have this incredible marketer that is awesome in person events, community, like don't force them into spreadsheets. And then you have this, like, don't make weaknesses, averages, make averages strengths. Like it's very simple. Like th that deviation between that, those two is, is immense. Totally with you. Totally with you. So yeah, if you, I, I think that's something that's underserved right now is kind of the, the finance market for, um, some sort of either managed service or something where it's like, dude, throw some stuff. As I was kind of bullish on FinHub. I'm hoping it's coming back is that, you know, throw some stuff Very in and important. like, I don't need to understand what's going on. I just need to look at X, Y, and Z number. Is this good? Go up. Is this bad? Who's getting fired or, you know, like fix it and recalibrate because those tight feedback loops are really what save fixing a leak to jumping off into a lifeboat. Last, last thing I'll say on the entire subject is, is like the person who figures out, and I stand by this and the person who figures out how to solve for this problem will be the emerging like, I, like well, I love your guys' line, triple, it's like the iOS of econ. Like you think about it, right? Like it doesn't matter who you're listening to right now in the D2C space. All they're doing is talking about bottom line, your margins, profitability. If everybody's talking about that, like this is clearly the thing that is needed most. Like whoever builds that first, everyone's going to be right there because they need it. Make it the easiest thing. <laughs> and I think there's a, a ancillary point in that financial software is probably one of the most robust line items on the P&L. Like if I come to you, Patrick, and I say, hey, I need $2,000 to run my finances and the finance software for the finance department, you're like, hey, go do it. Where it's Absolutely. like, even Triple Whale is as amazing as a product it is. There's a sell, right? Like, okay, cool. You got to pay us X amount of money. How are you going to ROI? How are you going to use it? What's go like? You just get this absolute third degree of questions versus finances. Like, here's the money. Go. I, I need no, to keep I my. I, I need it. And, and I think that's your spot on there. That's a really interesting um, perspective. Okay, Amazon. Give me, give me your Amazon because I am bearish on Amazon, but at the same time, I know people doing numbers, and I do understand the point of going to where your customers are because you have all this search volume. Um, but I don't think you can build a brand there. And the people that I do know doing well have limited SKU sets. But you also had some some legal stuff that you had to put the hammer down on. So give us give us unveil the kimono here. This is it's such an interesting story. I literally got done with this this morning to give everyone like kind of like a, a, a playing field here. We share an office with an Amazon agency. It's a good friend that I have from high school. Very big agency. Very great one. I'm um, Every day they listen to us talking and they're just like, what the f are you guys dealing with? Like, and I, I will tell you this, we'll say this time and time again, like we have seen things that no one else has seen in Amazon. We have been to the people who are the most experienced in Amazon. Even like that one dude, like the, like the actual Amazon guy, like literally he's like, I've seen everything. We go two days later, he goes, I've never seen anything like this. Like, we have, <laughs> like I have yet to see anybody who has come into our account and been like, Oh, wow. Like I've seen all of this. Never, never seen. Anyway, cutting back to the whole point is like, we actually did things the completely wrong way. Talk about the biggest mistake you can make. You're absolutely right. Like a brand should not start off on Amazon. You're a commoditized product. If you do, did we think about, you know, I, uh, you know, how fast we need to patents Did we understand the patenting process to the point in which we needed to, uh, the trademark, all of that. Um, do we understand how fast knockoffs will move? Yeah. Right? especially if we weren't planning and we're running another company, we weren't planning for the level of virality we had. I mean, we went from doing five units a day to 3,000 units. We ran our inventory day eight 
And then it took us and during the supply chain mess, you know, forever and a day to get it. And by the end of that time, over the course of a year and three months, we filed 987 lawsuits against knockoff companies. And we froze, I think, like 600 or so bank accounts that that had infringed upon patents, copyrights, trademarks. I mean, you name it across Walmart, Alibaba, Amazon, across the board. We've lost a cumulative total of around like $3.8, $3.7 million worth of revenue of a single scoop. <laughs> That's spicy. It's not nothing. No, not, I would not, not a paid plug here, but like this law firm, Edison law firm, like I owe so much to these guys. Like their sole job is to go after this and not charge you anything for it. They're contingency, which I'm like, great. That's how we pulled it off. And, and, Candidly, we paid like an Upwork guy to do our Amazon ads and we were always sitting at like a 10% tacos. Like it, it launched really well, but that defensibility and like having to play that game, they would create fake websites, um, you know, file it. I mean, it was insane what we had to do with it. Um, Amazon did a case study about us internally too. So like we, we've seen all this stuff. We get all of our patents. Like we learned our lessons since where every single product now has the trademarks, the patents, the copyrights, yeah. everything. The legalities are easy now. Of course, now Amazon doesn't even care about your patents and trademarks. Like they don't, it's like this year they're like, oh, no, I'm not as important. But I think that like the biggest lesson we learned was, is like we moved as quickly as we could off of the Amazon to try and build a website because we kept hearing like create these ecosystems, like as we were like learning and I think we're now starting to do that. To give you an example, this year, we have run the exact opposite of our business. We made our new mistakes, but we yet to have inventory inside of Amazon this year. And it is core season today, right? They get Ooh, in. Interesting. We have a lost container in Indiana right now. But anyway, they, it, should be, like, it should be in there right now, but our D2C business has kept the entire company alive with the momentum. So it's been this radical reverse. The difference between the two is my fundamental belief is, is once we get Amazon up and running based on what our previous search volumes have been, we will, we will be doing, I think like 10 X what we're doing in D2C on Amazon. Like it's, it's just at the end of the day, Amazon is just such a powerful weapon. I, I've, I've never seen anything like it in comparison to like how difficult it is to acquire long-term customers. And I think that you know, in the DTC space, but Amazon is just so easy. You set your parameters, you're good at PPC bidding and, and you have a good product, people are going to buy it. Go buy it. Be clever about how you can bring them to you though. So, and the other thing too, is they're so far, far, far down the funnel, right? Like I used to go to Google when I wanted to buy something. Now, when I want to buy it, I just go to amazon.com. Does Amazon sell it? Okay, cool. Boom. Is it prime? Boom. I'm going to buy it. Amazon will also add, run ads for you. So a lot of people don't know this is like if you have a strong enough product, they'll start running PPC ads on Google for you that you're not actually. Oh, that's paying. gangster. I did not know that. that's gangster. They do all of these crazy things like editorials within certain category pages. Um, and like you could always like apply to your rep to like be it's very similar to like what I've heard Facebook is like, because we're not big enough there yet, but you can apply to be part of these like beta programs. Um, Walmart's the exact same way. The experience we had onboarding to Walmart this year. 20x any platform experience i've had like they, oh, interesting. they pulled out the red car they literally did everything for us we said hi we want to be launching they did the entire thing for us and they gave us a bunch of ad credits and everything um 
one special note though, I want to make sure is like on Amazon, be very, very intentional about your box and what you have inside of it. The biggest problem with Amazon versus your direct to consumer on your website is that you don't own your customer. Right. How are you bringing your customer to you? How are you getting the data from your, of who that customer is? And you can be really clever about how you do that by what's inside of your box. You cannot say, ooh, leave us a review and we'll send you 20 bucks. No, you go cancel off Amazon, never do You get in life. trouble, right? Like legit. Though, oh, though, you're gone. Though, you're See gone. You. Yeah. Yep. You. Yep. You're blacklisted. But for us, if you like right on the plug to fill our tanks up or our cars up, there is literally a, a warning symbol that says, warning, do not fill this up unless you scan this QR code. Because if you're a parent, right. you see that go, oh, what is that? If you're a kid, you're like, this is really big and funny. What is this? Everyone knows what QR code is now. For the tanks, do you want to drive a real tank? They scan it, takes them to a, um, a type form where they fill it out. They get entered into a lottery to come with us to go drive tanks. F1. That's brilliant. Ice them to a type form. Like, so we, we, fo we, we focus on how can we provide an added experience, something really interesting that everyone wants to be a part of or do that's also like jarring. You're like, whoa. What the heck is that? And they're like, whoa, I could drive a tank. Yeah, I'll fill that out. That's interesting. I love that. What a colorful Amazon story. I knew you had it in you. That is a, a that's, that's a that's a hundredth of our story. Yeah, I know. I was going to say there's there's some uh, offline offline additions to that. Oh, next oh yeah. If you guys are around San Diego or Austin, uh, maybe Patrick can give you the download there. Um, dude, that's the value add segment. Are you ready for rapid fire? Let's do it. All right. All right. Here we go. Strap in. Okay. TikTok, overrated or underrated? Overrated. Ooh. Especially for, for high AOV products. Good luck. You won't sell anything. We, we've had millions and millions and millions of views. Haven't sold really anything on it. So we had that same experience at Triple where we had a ton of like, quote unquote, in-platform success, but there was just no business impact. And the way I put it is it's great at generating attention, but not intention. Where it's like, I know about it, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Um, Instagram, overrated, underrated? Uh, I think underrated. Ooh, I like it. You guys have been doing work there. I like your accounts. I, I think Instagram, if you can nail out a great social story and get people engaged, like utilize it on that aspect. Like bring them into your ecosystem with Instagram, right? Like be the personality. Still where everybody is. You know, I think Meta is now tripling down on making their platform better versus just being a big company. I think you're going to see a lot of stuff happen there that they needed to do a long time ago. And so I think that ride is just kind of like restarting. It's like a roller coaster that got a remodel. Yep. Oh, so well put. San Diego, overrated, underrated? Underrated. But I don't want to say that. Actually, I take that back. Take it back. <laughs> don't, don't move here. I take that all back. I, I mean, there's a reason why we are one of the most moved to cities, but we are expensive. But I look at it and say we have the least amount of traffic, the least amount of like, crime in comparison and the best weather it's like can't really see i'm born and raised here lived in other places and i came back for a reason the, ma the math definitely mass i do have this love hate relationship with san diego because for some reason whenever I, it's almost like california whenever i go to california i just get the most putrid weather it's like overcast and i'm i'm an austin boy i'm an yeah, austin i don't know if you're going to dgcx but i mean it's probably gonna be terrible there too it's no may it's not good yeah ain't the path uh, we both share a little bit of passion for the, the zoomy zoomy cars. Who's your favorite F1 driver? Unpopular opinion, but I love Verstappen. Like, oh, no, come on. Like, he's another guy, right? Like, oh my he's God. Like a class act. 
Hamilton's a class act, the best that ever lived, right? Stats wise, you can't beat it. But like Verstappen, like you look like I've really kind of like watched a lot of his interviews. Like the dude in his free time is at home in his racing simulator. When he's like when everyone else is out partying, whenever he's literally studying roadmaps. Like the dude is so laser focused on being the best. And I think that like that's something that I I just love and like learning from people like that because their discipline is just so far beyond anybody else. Yeah, no, I'll give you that. I will say, because I hate Max, but I will say the um, if he's been working with media people or something like he's, and maybe winning does this to you as well, but it's easy to be humble when you're winning because everything, like he's going, every, like everything is going perfect. That's the way I phrase it. Like a big baby. Like, yes. if it doesn't go his way, he's a little upset, but like it's a baby that like puts in, like imagine a baby who went to the gym every day. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but. Whereas like Hamilton just I think that he he has a natural raw talent and like ability to drive, whereas I think Verstappen is like so like determined to just win. That's all the guy cares about. I, I see Verstappen in that kind of more Michael Jordan vein than the Kobe vein, where Kobe was very, especially in his, the latter of his career, was way more humble and could take defeat in a more gracious manner. Versus uh, Michael never could. Michael was always like <laughs> you. I, I don't like losing. All y'all. So, uh, uh, favorite track. Favorite track at an F1? At the, the F1 series this year. What's your favorite circuit? Like, again, bandwagoning. Like, obviously, like my dream from like some childhood dream is always to go to Monaco, be in Port B with the Yachtar. But my favorite track to drive and where I put up my best lap times and like all my simulators and stuff is Barcelona. Like, so, that was just this weekend. Fun track. Ugly track, but fun track. I think it's such a technical track. I think it, you can't really compete with Monaco and, and um, Tokyo, I think it's Tokyo, the one in Japan, Suchi, I think it is, Suchi. Um, but Barcelona is just such a freaking awesome track. Like, so, so I love cool. it. Yeah, it's beautiful. And he's coming back. They got their engineers finally on board. I'm excited for the Vegas street circuit at night. It's going to be nuts. That's going to be chaos, mate. The chaos. track is another boring, but like, that is just going the to... ambiance of just nonsense. You're ripping through the streets of Vegas, like awesome. I think it's going to be the like sporting event this year. I, I really think it's going to be, and I think that's what because the other thing that F1 has a lot of challenges, and, and we'll move on from this for people that aren't into the sporty stuff. Um, is the big challenge for F1 is it is the spectacle, like because there's very little parity in the sport. Like you essentially have your top team usually that was no other sport where there's twenty people. There's literally like the best. There's 20 of them and it's pure spectacle. It's pure spectacle because the chances of the actual, like even with the wacky qualifying last weekend, the race is kind of still netted out. Leclerc kind of bad. But outside of that, like the people that were supposed to win and be up there were up there. And like Verstappen has literally led every lap of like every race this year kind of like so there's not this competition vector that's why i think drive to survive was so great because if you just watch the races some people might say they're boring but like when you understand the backstory and all that goes into it and the fighting in the midfield and stuff it's actually really compelling tying this back into ecom really quick though because this is like the actual always bring it back love it really affected our business uh, but one really funny note first is like I equate F1 to like what you just described is like imagine WWE like the Royal Rumble. That's perfect. That's literally what it is. It's the perfect. Royal Rumble. It's the spectacle. Week. That's it's so funny. perfect. Top guys all in one ring. You're just, on fire. 
you're on fire. The storylines, it's a spectacle. So well put. That's good. Um, but we've seen this data in our purchases. Max is number one by a long shot. He's the most popular racer right now by a long shot. If you're a bandwagoner, if you, you when people didn't even know what basketball was, like all over the world, they knew who Michael Jordan was. Yeah. Bulls or Lakers, or if you're a football person, I don't know football, but I'm going to go for the Cowboys. It's just our number one selling product is the Red Bull, is the racing Let's bull. Let's go racing bull <laughs> by far and and it's because like and we equate it to that it's in our data and we see that uplift before every race and we pay attention to you know f1 i mean we were a partner of theirs so the miami race we literally made a limited edition miami grand prix float that they featured us at their day club we were on it espn you know we didn't pay anything for that partnership they were just like oh this is kind of cool like let's let's do it why not and now we're working to do that at vegas and austin and all the other ones what did you think of, and again, I swear we'll get off that one. Uh, I was a little bit kind of like put off by the fake boats. Or I mean, excuse me, the boats were real, but they built the fake water around the boats. What was the, was it better in person or was it still a weird vibe? Because that was a weird vibe for me. Like you have, it's right there, like, or, or make a fake water, you know, a lagoon or something. I thought they missed on that. I cannot stress this enough. Pay attention to who your customers are. Go and like review who are buying your products if you have the time or have someone hire someone to do it. The owner of the Miami Dolphins, the owner of a Hard Rock Stadium, the owner who puts on all of F1 Miami, he is a customer of ours. The president of F1, CEO of, of F1 Miami, he's a separate guy than that guy, he also bought cars from us. The guy who owns all of the yachts that they put out at the Miami race, he bought floats of ours. These are oh, people who scary. saw ads. We saw this through Triple Well, saw ads and it organically bought it. Not that they, they knew we were going to be at the race. And we made friends with all these people and got to go and take photos with them at the race on boats. Are that guy's boats nice? Hell yes. Does he wish they were in real water? Also, hell yes. Is there an exceptional amount of liability with putting that much water in the middle of a car racing by at 200 miles an hour? You bet your ass there. <laughs> Fair play. All right. All right. I'll give him a pass on that. And it sounds like he gets the Patrick approval. So any friend of Patrick's a friend of mine, but that, I didn't think of the legalities there. Yeah. You don't support, you don't sue poor people, <laughs> put it that way. That's what we learned. We're like, wow, that makes a lot yeah. of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Cause it looked, it looked okay to be fair. I mean, cause the boats were gorgeous. Obviously the boats were gorgeous, but it, it just felt a little bit off brand. Cause that, but that makes a ton of sense. Um, Okay, we need we need our own F one podcast. Starting a new company, overrated or underrated? Uh, in what sense? Let me sorry, double click. I got to double click. Like, it's your show. You you can t interpret it however you want. I believe you should do it. I also believe, like a very very staunch belief that I have is like everybody gets this like, ooh, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to start my own company. All their things, and I look at them. And I go, okay, are you ready to do this, 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 and this, and like basically give up your life for the next three years to even attempt that uh, uh, success? And if their answer isn't yes to every single one of those, like don't don't don't. Don't start. Get your feet wet by maybe working for a smaller company. But like until you understand what it requires and you're ready to do that, don't do it. Incredibly put. Yeah, man. So, so, so on the nose. I, I used to, I used to be a big maxi of like everybody. The most honorable thing you can do is start your own company, blah, 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 blah. Dude, people have different risk tolerances and people have like, you know, some people are in, again, not a judgment, but some people are fine with clocking in, clocking out, not thinking about it. Like, once you have a startup, holds ground. Like, like I, I do. I think 
that statement of like one of the most honorable things you can do in the world is do that because you're creating a new idea. You are bringing something new, innovating to the world. You can employ people to then pay their, for the help their family out. So I think it's great. I just don't think it's for everyone. Before I thought it was for everyone. I was like, everybody should do this. I was like, that's not it, Rabba. That's not honor is not easily earned. Yes. And you can get it in different mechanisms. I'm not saying there's not other ways to be honorable, like showing up to your job and crushing is honorable. I'm just a good person. Like that's also honorable. Exactly. And so, uh, I, I, they're in the world. Concept. I, 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 I agree <laughs> with you. I, I, yeah, very novel. Uh, no, I agree with you. I think it's, um, it's definitely something that, um, it needs to be aligned with your risk tolerances and candidly, it needs to be aligned with your lifestyle. Cause you like having a kid during it or having an unsupportive partner, it, it's v- not to say you can't do it, but man, when it's already the hardest thing in the world to do, and then you add headwinds, it starts to get to a place of like. You really look over here on my left on this camera. My bed is literally right there in my office. <laughs> you are, you are a must mask, maxi. <laughs> I live on a cot in my office. Like that is the damn truth. And it ain't sunshine rainbows over here, guys. It all looks fun sometimes, but man, there's a lot of craziness. Don't let the hat and jacket fool you. Uh, best pool you've ever been to. You're pretty well traveled. You are uh, also of the Raba Ilk, where you you sometimes will enjoy some booze. Uh, what's your favorite pool you've been to? Just because I've had so many good memories there. Sounds so lame, but God, I love the Mandalay Bay pool in Vegas. Yeah, like, it's the best. You have, you have the Lacey River. You have the. It just it's all so big. Dude's sitting there and gotten away with so much stuff. Like that's that, a good call. And that, that's a really fun, fun place. That's a good pick. That's a yeah. strong, super strong pick. Um, AI, overrated or underrated? Underrated. Ooh. Love I it. think that if you are not learning how to utilize AI right now, you will fall behind everybody else who is, and you'll be left behind so fast. It, you won't even be able to blink. And I, 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 I am such a huge proponent of it because I've seen what it's been able to do. I'm fortunate enough to be around people who are at the very forefront of it, and I'm seeing what they're doing with it, and it scares the shit out of me. But it also is, it has allowed me to cut down on probably about 20 to 30% of my old hours that I used to have so I could add new things. No, I love that. Uh, AJ has a line that I always kind of busted his chops about because I like for marketing purposes, I didn't like it. But the thesis I thought was so strong where he said, let machines do what they do best and let humans do the rest. And I think that's going to be all the thing too. He used to think, and then he found a computer. Yep. I think, yeah, exactly. And I think that's going to be the new thing where I don't think AI... I've been really interested almost in this like bionic man or woman concept of like you use AI to do 80, 90% of it. And then that you bring in that human nuance. And then that really gets this just incredible um, output. I just wrote an entire article on this. Like it, I, I have seen some things. There's a company here in San Diego replicating your mind in AI. It takes a lot of onboarding, but like it's, it's kind of freaky. I know. Yeah, we won't go. That, that's a conversation over beers and whiskey. But uh, there, there's some, I think, some real interesting societal implications on top of uh, the kids, Patrick, the kids. But we'll leave that. We'll leave that for another day. Yeah. Uh, collab with anyone for Float Factory. Who would it be? I give you a blank check. You can sign whoever you want. Who, who is repping the Float Factory? Uh, I would say person. Yeah. What person? I think right now, arguably, Mr. Beast is like the most Ooh, that's a good pick. iconic person in this like in this space. And I think just for the emerging generation, um, I've also got to talk with some people who are closely with him. I found out he's actually like a, a really good dude, not just like supposed to be a really nice guy. guy. Yeah, yeah. I like for me, that's everything you need. Like 
doing that. amazing things, totally critical thinker, doing original ways to do it. I think that, and then candidly on the flip side, like the entire like Friday beers, Nelk crew, like that just fits us as well. Like it's, oh, it's the, two outside, right? The Nelk like, boys would be too much. That would be very, very, so funny. A little polarizing for my opinion, but like you're going to get, you're get, you might have a little bit of brand blowback, but, uh, You'll definitely right, get some really, performance out of it. Yeah. Great Friday. Like the, we could do something fun. I love that. That's amazing. Um, if you could run any company tomorrow, which company would it be? You're the CEO. You get to make all the decisions. I'd want to be in Elon's shoes for a week. I just want to see what that guy knows. Like he runs, I just want to see what he has visibility into and understand how he does what he does. Well, because he's stepping down from Twitter, not down, but aside. I think he's moving to president for Twitter's. Oh, he did today. So he's moving president to Twitter's, but he's still boring Tesla, SpaceX, correct? Uh, Neuralink. And Neuralink. That's that's too much, right? AI company he just launched. That's so. too much. Four companies and these... And- Kids, four wives. <laughs> and, I mean, dude, I don't know. My, George has a wife, three kids. And I'm like, I couldn't imagine if you had four wives, eight kids, ran three of the largest companies in the world that involved the government, the complaint, like, yeah, and still have time to tweet 20 times a day. I'm like, this guy has no convinced. I'm convinced. I have this whole conspiracy theory about it. You look at him five years ago and then him today, different yeah. human. Different He's human. Oh, he is. Unbelievable. Okay, last question and then we'll wrap up. Um, you can have dinner with three people, dead or alive, fictional or non-fictional. I think I have a feeling one person that's getting the invite, but you get three invites. You're sitting at the head of the table, four-person table. Who gets one of the three invites from Patrick Frank? Um, I would say the three people would be, I mean, I, I, I'd probably lean back into the two folks I already chose. I, I think I would choose um, Dalio. i choose Musk. And I think I would choose, God. I'm probably I'm trying to think of like relevancy like to like today because I would my bold answer would be like Alexander the Great or Einstein, but oh, yeah. probably, uh, honestly, probably Nikola Tesla. That's that I would love to like actually if you'd go deep on what that guy was doing back in the day, like you want to go some, some conspiracy no theory, like his office burnt down twice. I don't know, man. I don't know. Terrible business. Terrible business person. Incredible scientist. Probably one of the best inventors in the in the history of time but he ended up uh, going crazy and destitute falling in love with a pigeon which is robert a terrible green. story an unpopular one that not a lot of people know he wrote the 40 laws I've, of power i love Ask. robert green i'm a big yeah. ryan holiday fan who's his protege i think robert green is one of the most intelligent humans that understands societal like norms. i do too and i think he gets a bad rap where i don't think he like i don't think any of the like negativity or judgments against him is in in fair play and maybe i'm out of bounds saying that but i think people judge him because he is honest he is truthful he is honest and he says nothing but it was right in front of his face and people hate that when i when i read the 48 laws of power i was just like oh don't upstage your boss oh yeah dummy and like you you realize these things and i think maybe he catches heat because there's some societal stuff that he says the quiet part out loud, but I don't know. 48, I thought 48 laws of power was, it's, it's a stellar read. And once you understand the different archetypes of people, it'll give you a better arsenal to communicate in a more effective and impactful manner. Artist seduction is an even better book than that. And it's not what you think it's about. Yes. There's like the undertones of it, but it really defines archetypes of humans. And I think when you combine those two books, you can really learn a lot about people and how they operate. Dude, this is so fun. 
I always know when I do a uh, heater, when I'm like energized and stoked at the end of it, this was so good. Uh, Patrick, where can the people find you? How can they get a float factory on the water ASAP? Uh, this time's yours, my friend. Yeah, no, I'm so you want to get a float is just floatfactory.co. Um, the guy is holding it hostage for me for the actual domain. Uh, I saw that it goes to like some rando WordPress site. He's not even using it. Unbelievable people. You know what I mean? Uh, but uh, yeah, floatfactory.co. Um, all of our socials are floatfactory.co. Uh, to really double down on that. For me, it's just Patrick Frank on Instagram. And uh, yeah, Patrick Frank on uh, LinkedIn. Just first name, last name. Pretty simple. I love it. We got to get you on the bird app. You got to come over to the dark side. Have That's some it. fun. Have I know, some I'm fun. learning how to use it better. I'm like, God, I like started doing it. It's Let's addictive. Go. Let's go. Um, dude, thank you so much. You're just an absolute uh, muse. And I just look up to you. It's so cool to see you pivot into these other. I mean, I guess you're not even pivoting. You're just pulling a musk where you're just keeping starting another plate spinning and you just got these things. But I, uh, I have a feeling we'll be talking soon about some of the other stuff we have coming out with uh, another brand. Another, just, I can't. It's a big thing, man. I have the town lake, dude. Once you get the motors, I will do drone shots for you. We'll have, we could have a little race in town lake. Like it's literally right. It's two feet from my apartment. Like I'm so game for that. It's absolutely in, um, anything I can do to support the PF. Uh, all right, folks, that's another row as in the books. We are triple If you want to get the best, uh, attribution insights, cohorts, all the things. We are over at triplewell.com. Go grab your demo today. Tell them Rob has sent you. Um, we also publish everything on YouTube if you prefer to watch versus hear Patrick's wonderful voice. You want to see that incredible, incredible hat. Uh, what else we got? We are at Whale Mail. We goes out every Tuesday, Thursday. Uh, fantastic newsletter. Uh, it's great. It's It's been, it's dude, we're doing numbers. It's the, 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 the numbers the newsletter is doing, it's been really, really heartening. Um, but you can sign up right at triplewell.com slash whale mail. And then I'm also on the tweeters, uh, just at Robert Ray Hill. And then I'm, I'm, I'm quasi LinkedIn. I'm like LinkedIn curious. I really need to make a push there. I feel like there's a there there. I just never allocate time. Twitter. Like oh, oh, we do the cross collab. Yeah, you give me your done, done. (laughs) People helping people. It's powerful stuff, folks. Yeah, so go make sure if you're going to hit the water, hit the water with the float factory. You will be the coolest person on the water. Go follow P. Frank on the LinkedIn's on the. Oh, your Instagram's really fun. Your Instagram's really fun. If you want to see the pit vipers on the wig in action, um, that's a great idea, dude. Shop the look. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Still is luck. I love it. Patrick, dude, always a pleasure, my friend. Love you to the moon. Also, folks, if you want to leave a review, hit us up on the Twitters if you have any cool feedback for us. And then, oh, I almost forgot. Safe word. So people um, that send me this safe word will get some free triple L merch. What's the safe word, Patrick? Safe word. Float. <laughs> Float. Easy peasy. I love it. On brand. So hit us up. Uh, I'm either at Robert Rahill on Twitter or LinkedIn with the word float. Tell me your address and the size you want, and we'll get you hooked up with some whaleware. All right, folks, that's it. That's another row eyes in the books. Bye-bye. <laughs>